What is up, everybody? Welcome to Hapticast, episode number 79. My name is Josh Toll, and today I'm not joined by anybody. That's right. It's just me today. Brett, feeling a little bit of under the weather, so you were all stuck with just me for the day. But that's okay. We still have a good show ahead of you. We didn't... Here's the thing. We didn't want to lose a week, and I don't. we don't know how long, you know, Brett's going to be uh, DNO, you know, down and out. But uh, we're doing it anyway. We'll do it live. It is what it is. So today maybe it'll be a little bit shorter. I don't know. You know, we've we've done solo streams in the past, but never the actual podcast. But the, the point is, is that we didn't want to leave anybody hanging. So here we are. We still have a great show for everybody today. Uh, first of all, updates off the top. Those of you that are watching on YouTube specifically, and you want to jump around to different stuff, as always, we were going to have timestamps in the description once this is done being live. We record it live, you know, we put it out on our audio platforms, and we leave it up on YouTube. Links are in the description, rather, timestamps are in the description to jump around to wherever you want to go. So that's first and foremost. So you can find that there. Um, also, unscripted. Uh, our unscripted version of Hapticast, which we did record, uh, Brett and I did record, uh, that'll be going up Thursday as normal uh, on all audio platforms, uh, likely also with a little tease on our, our YouTube uh, channel as well. Um, it seems like people are, are enjoying those. Last week, you know, we had special guest Morgan Freeman on, um, and today I'm going to be talking about something that he's probably not too happy about when I get to what I'm playing uh, and my opinion there. Um, so yeah, check that out. That'll be up on Thursday. Um, shout out to everybody who's listening on audio platforms as well. Um, also, YouTube, we have 590-something subscribers. We're real close to 600. So we need everybody to go on there and um, subscribe as well. And uh, yeah, join us on our, uh, on our path here. Uh, so we appreciate everybody for that. And also, uh, what is the update? Uh, let me pull this up for everybody. We, so as everybody know, we were the 17th, number 17th ranked uh, gaming podcast in the United Arab Emirates. But there has since been some uh, additions to this. So uh, let me pull it up here somewhere. Brett tweeted, here it is. So this is an update. First of all, we are the number one gaming podcast in Nepal. Okay, so we talked about that on Unscripted a little bit this week. But we're number one gaming podcast in Nepal, and also number 15. So moving up the charts in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, why? I don't know, but we appreciate it nonetheless. So make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure you're, you know, following us and rating us on whatever your audio platform of choice is. And uh, yeah, it'll uh, everything's going pretty good. Uh, merch, we have merch as always. Links in the description of that. Haptigintel.com slash merch. Uh, we are going to have some new stuff going up soon as Brett and I get ready to go out to California, which we've been talking about. Uh, probably going to be doing, when we do go out to California, I think that we're going to um, not have a podcast that week. Uh, maybe unscripted, maybe not. I don't know. We'll be doing some light vlog type stuff. Uh, maybe a couple other things while we're out there. So be on the lookout for that. And maybe be on the lookout for some. So, you know, Haptic does California exclusive merch. All right, let's hop into a topic rundown. Uh, I'm going to have my media consumption update uh, for everybody. Uh, not a ton, not a ton, but some good stuff in there nonetheless. Then the Abysmal Chronicles, we have uh, upcoming video game releases that we're going to talk about. A couple of really big ones uh, this coming week. Abysmal Chronicles uh, have a couple of things in there. Astro's Playroom uh, devs talking about their next game. Uh, Amy Hennig stuff uh, with a marvel game uh take two doing a uh, lord of the rings game um another saw movie <laughs> in the works apparently uh, and then our main topic for the day obviously is the uh the you know talking about the future of playstation and pc uh, more news came out today um, from vgc uh, some more mining and some confirmation with some stuff in there in regards to uh, the uh, playstation spider-man the pc release uh, for that some more stuff coming out of there so that'll be interesting and then wrapping it up uh, with indie intel talking about a game from lilymo games called super perils of baking which is an interesting little title so 
Uh, without further ado, let's hop into it uh, with our media consumption update. Uh, first of all, movies. Okay, I have a couple of movies for you all. This is also Brett and I watched both of these this past weekend. So first of all, we watched a movie called A Tale of Two Sisters, which is a uh, Korean horror movie uh, from the early 2000s that uh, is, is really um, quite, a, quite a good film. And I mentioned to Brett uh, when we watched it, uh, and even maybe our friend Stephen, um, friend of the show Stephen, um, that... I think if I had watched it when it came out in the early 2000s, that um, I would have said it was maybe the best horror movie I've ever seen. Uh, it came out in 2003, directed by um, by uh, Kim Ji-woo, who is, of course, from I Saw the Devil uh, fame. I Saw the Devil. He also did another movie called Three, which is pretty good. So, um, a really interesting movie. If you're into, like, the conjuring or even insidious or some of those like more kind of popcorny new age horror movies i think you should go and watch this because there's there's some stuff in here that clearly influenced uh the genre um for the better and some really really strong performances some really interesting twists and turns and some super super effective um and well-earned jump scares which i'm normally not a fan of but in this movie executes them how they should be done so i'd recommend checking that out and then also watched um a little film uh, that's part of a sequence of a uh, series of films if you will shorter series of films called um sinritsu uh sinritsu files uh the slit-mouthed woman which is the first one i believe there's five or six of them uh and these come from um uh, Koji Shirashi, who did Noroi the Curse and Occult, which are two awesome found footage horror movies, and of course, A Record of Sweet Murder, which I have not watched yet, and Teki Teki, a bunch of other stuff I haven't watched for this. Um, but uh, really, really good, um, really, really awesome uh, design of the monster, villain, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's, you know, really really quite good. So two really good horror movies there uh, for anybody that is interested in them and, uh, you know, must check them out. Games. Fallout 3. i playing it on my Steam Deck constantly, incessantly. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, revisiting it on the Steam Deck is good. I beat the main story, um, but I'm still playing it. I'm playing through all the DLC. And what I had forgotten <clears throat> is that once you beat the main story, of it it actually throws you right into the brotherhood of steel dlc um which is pretty interesting um and i also forgot just how um, awesome and insane the end of that game is i mean the entire thing is but it also goes to show you i don't think the main the golden path if you will in fallout 3 is particularly long it took me maybe 15 hours 15 20 hours to get through um which is short you know for modern standards i guess for like a deep rpg like this and even bethesda's works after it um but it's it's really focused and really good and you know I know Starfield is going to be a completely different beast when it comes out, and Western games now, especially Western RPGs, are just getting so long in the tooth, and that's fine, and I enjoy a long game, but I think Fallout 3 made me appreciate how um, short and focused, you know, something could be, so... Um, shout out to Bethesda. Really enjoyed playing through that again on Steam Deck too. Uh, runs really well. Had a few issues with it crashing and stuff. It's not verified, but uh, it runs um, and is you know, pretty, pretty good. A couple of crashes here and there, but if you're saving as incessantly as I am, it's not really a big deal. Uh, I think I have like over 300 save states right now. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, good game. Uh, have enjoyed uh, thoroughly um, revisiting it. So that is, uh, that's cool. And then the other game, which, you know, if our friend Morgan Freeman hears me, uh, won't be too happy about is that I played House Party. And I do not like it. So, Brett would also be upset with me. But for those of you that listened to Unscripted last week, you know that uh, House Party is one of Morgan Freeman's favorite games. And um, unfortunately, it just didn't strike me that much. Now, I want to talk more about that game with Brett. But 
Uh, I think for now, I'll just hold it at the fact that I didn't like it. I played it for maybe 45 minutes. Um, I think on Steam Deck too, it's kind of hard to play. The text is very small and it does have an option to enlarge the text, but there's a lot of text, like, like a lot of text. Um, and if you make it too big, then it like kind of goes off the screen. So I'd be interested to hear if he had the same issues uh, as me or not, but um, I didn't love it. Uh, it is what it is. So whatever. And then lastly, TV, <clears throat> uh, an anime, no anime. I, uh, I finished Attack on Titan last week, but you all know that already. And uh, the only new TV I watched is Better Call Saul, which was the series finale um, yesterday. And I must say that, um, that show is, is pretty incredible. Um, the ending was perfect in my opinion, again, just like Breaking Bad. Um, the fact that that team, you know, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould and all of them were able to, um, execute such, um, not even good, not even great, but impeccable dramas um, back to back is uh, truly uh, a marvel, and they are two of the best television shows of all time. Um, I think one is just as good as the other, and I think they're both great for different reasons. But they are executed with such command of their craft, and it's um, it's truly something to to behold. So, uh, yeah, Better Call Saul, incredible, perfect ending to the series, um, and uh, yeah. I don't I don't know what else to say. Kevin Hall in the chat was up. K Hall says Vince Gilligan really knows how to make a great ending. He really does. He, you know, the, the what makes it so good is that like Breaking Bad, right? This show could have ended in absolute bananas, you know, bloodshed. It could have ended with a similar kind of get out of jail free card fate for the protagonist, but. It doesn't. In fact, it does the inverse of for everything that made Breaking Bad great and Breaking Bad's ending great, Better Call Saul does the inverse of those things and is what makes the ending <clears throat> excuse me, of Better Call Saul so great. <coughs> excuse me. So uh props to Vince Gilligan and his team. <coughs> God, there's something in my throat. Uh truly in uh, a feat to behold. So without further ado, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, roll the intro uh, to Hapticast, uh, this solo episode of, of Hapticast. Here we go. Those of you that have been with us for a long time, you know that we start every episode of Hapticast with something called the Abysmal Chronicles. The Abysmal Chronicles is a chronicle of stories, abysmal chronicle of stories, as the name would suggest, um, of stuff that was maybe just not quite meaty enough to be in the main uh, podcast or, you know, that time didn't permit. And as always, at the beginning of the Abysmal Chronicles, we're going to start with the upcoming video game releases. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show, there is... Uh, there's a good amount this week, but there's some really, really big ones in here and stuff that I'm particularly excited for. So let's go through. Uh, first of all is Blossom Tales 2, the Minotaur, the Minotaur Prince, Minotaur, Minotaur, uh. Minotaur Prince, uh, which is coming out to PC and Switch uh, on August 16th, which is today. Rollerdrome is out today on PC, PS5, and PS4. A uh, lot of positive buzz and excitement around this game, uh, including myself. And this is one that I really want to play. 
and I'm interested in. When we first saw it, it was kind of intriguing. I think it's from Annapurna Interactive. I think it is. I'm not going to even Google it. I think it is. I might be wrong on that. But I'm excited about this game. I think it looks pretty interesting and intriguing. Um, I'm going to check it out. I think... I think... No. I, I wanted to say, I thought this might be coming to the PlayStation Plus uh, premium or extra tiers or something. I think I'm wrong on that. I think I'm thinking about actual coffee talk for Xbox Game Pass, which is completely separate. Anyway, so Rollerdrome that comes out today. Um, Tribes of Midgar also comes out today for Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and Switch. Uh, Way of the Hunter is also out today on also out today on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X. Then tomorrow you have a game called Tadizens coming out for PC. On August 18th, you have Cursed to Golf. Cursed to Golf. Coming out on PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, RPG Time, The Legend of Right, comes out for Nintendo Switch on August 18th. Madden, the new Madden. Go Madden. Madden 23 comes out on PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, and Xbox One on August 19th. Uh, now this next game, which I can't even believe... Uh, I'm pretty sure that this game has existed in the past, but they're making another one. I don't, I don't even know if this franchise is still relevant or if you should even call it a franchise, but are you smarter than a fifth grader <laughs> comes out on PC, PS5, Xbox series X and S Xbox one, PS4 and Nintendo switch on August 23rd. Uh, uh okay. Um, Midnight Fight Express, this is another game that I'm interested in, comes out uh, for PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Wow. That's not on PS5. Well, I mean, it'll play on PS5, but there's no next-gen versions of that. Um, comes out on August 23rd and is going to be launching on Game Pass, which is cool. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the big, the big, big, big one, the biggest one in the next couple weeks is uh, Saints Row, which comes out for PC, PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One on August 23rd. I think, I think I'm on board with that game. I wasn't initially, but from the stuff I'm seeing, the gameplay and the trailers, I think it looks pretty good and I'm excited for it. And all I need from, from Saints Row is just a more ridiculous GTA. And if that's what we get, then I'll be happy. So... All right, let's hop right into the stories now, shall we? First of all, Astro's, Astro's, Astro's Playroom developer says that their next game is going to be its quote-unquote biggest to date. This is com coming from VGC. Uh, in a new interview with, in with GameIndustry.biz, Team Asobi, creative studio and director Nicholas Ducet Docket. Nikki D briefly spoke about the future of the studio and its growing team. He said, quote, we have a current production and that's going fine, but we want to have another group for R&D. We want enough in this group to explore as many areas that are interesting and to potentially start other projects. We always have this extra team on the side, probably like 90% of the studio is in production, but there is this small pocket of people in the background that are already touching the technologies of tomorrow or are trying things with technologies we have today, but taking them in a new direction. In order to keep this freshness, this R&D team needs to be rotated quite often. People go into production, and then after that, maybe go into the R&D for some time. End quote. So all this means, I mean, this is not, this is actually not maybe the biggest piece of news. I think a lot of, you know, at least well-oiled and established studios will always have, you know, teams or people or sections of their teams um, exploring and thinking about what's next, right? Because you might be on a project for three, four, five years, but you know, you might need to look at something else for the future or you need to know what's next. Or sometimes before you're done a project, you know, you're looking at developing the next project. So that's all that this means. But um, I think too, what I want to remind people about, uh, you know, uh, this team Asobi you know, the Astro's Playroom developer, Team Asobi, is that they were part of Japan Studio. And Japan Studio is now defunct and closed down from PlayStation, which is pretty sad. And this is kind of the the last remnants. Um, and, you know, this is 
looking back at a quote from PlayStation uh, saying, you know, Japan Studio will be recentered to Team Asobi, the creative team behind Astro's Playroom, allowing the team to focus on a single vision and build on the popularity of Astro's Playroom. Now, that might seem a little off from this story. What do they mean by single vision? Uh, single, they could be single, singly visioned. They could have a single vision, but be working on multiple projects at once. I think that's totally viable and appropriate. Uh, it could mean that, um, or it could mean that maybe you know PlayStation internally kind of had a uh, you know change of the guard, change of heart, change of thought process of like you know what I think Team Asobi does so well is really leverage the tech of PlayStation, the interesting tech, whether that is VR, the dual sense, uh, cameras, whatever it might be, you know, Asobi has kind of been at the forefront of showing, you know, here's what you can do with this technology and making it really interesting and intriguing. And, you know, I think, uh, compelling to, to use and uh, showcase for even um, developers of being like, hey, this is this is what you can accomplish uh, with this stuff uh, on, you know, the PlayStation platform. So um, interesting, nonetheless, uh, I will be excited to see what they produce. I still wish Japan Studio was, uh, you know, fully, fully a thing, but it's not and that's okay. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it'll be interesting to see what we get from Team Asobi next. Oh, what happened there? Um, okay. Next story. <laughs> Uh, those of you that are on the audio only are not going to see what's going on here, but that's okay. Okay. So Amy Hennig's Marvel game will be shown <clears throat> at in September at D23. D23 Expo is Disney's, you know, big kind of showcase event. Uh, this is also coming from BGC. The event, which will be hosted by Kind of Funny's Blessing. Blessing. I don't know how to pronounce Blessing's last name will be hosted by kind of Fles kind of funny's blessing junior will take place live from the d23 expo on friday september 9th at 1 p.m pacific time <clears throat> uh for everybody to behold so the showcase will include content from disney and pixar games marvel games lucasville games and 20th century fox games or 20th century games sorry no longer fox and that's in addition to quote unquote all new announcements fans can expect wait that's in addition to Quote, all new announcements, fans can expect new reveals from titles including Disney's Dreamlight Valley, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, and a sneak peek at the upcoming Marvel Ensemble game from Skydance New Media, end quote. That was from Disney's press release. Now that's where Amy Hedning come in, comes in. So the Marvel game, like I just mentioned, is being helmed by Amy Hedning, which we will all know her popularly you know um uh, as she was formerly at naughty dog and she was the creative director um uh, you know and one of the main forces behind the uncharted series and you know notably uh since then amy henning has not released a game she was working on multiple star wars projects that got canned um you know stuff that we saw trailers for that never got off the ground for one reason or another which is so um, I don't know, bewildering to me. I think, I think Amy Hennig is a, a really good writer. And I think she is a great creative visionary in her own way. But I am apprehensive to, this is going to make me sound like an ass, but I'm apprehensive to care about anything that she does anymore. I mean, it's been it's been, my God, a long time. When was the last time? I think Uncharted 3, 2? Uncharted 2? Was it the last game that Amy Hennig released? Let's see. What was the last game Amy Hennig released? Um... So, yeah, the last game that she released was in 2011. She was the creative director and writer for Uncharted 3. Now, I'll be fair, she was a story consultant on Uncharted Golden Abyss, which was in 2011. And she also wrote Battlefield Hardline, 
which was in 2015. And she is a writer, one of the writers on Forspoken, which is going to be coming out this year uh, or next year, sorry, from Square Enix. Um, but she hasn't directed a game since 2011. And I forget if she's just writing or she's serving as a creative director um, for this game or not. Because I know also um, that Stashwick guy uh, who worked with her on the Project Ragtag, which is the canceled Star Wars game right before this, um, for two years when they were at Visceral. Um, but I don't, I don't know, I guess, her full involvement in this game. I forget. And I don't really feel like looking it up anymore. And I don't even know if there's enough details for it. But I vaguely remember it sounding like she was just going to be serving as a writer and producer on it. I don't know. I don't know if she's directing it or not. I forget. But anyway, the last game that she's really been fully involved with that released was Uncharted 3 in 2011. Dude, it's been more than a decade. It's been more than a decade. Games are, I mean, and she's been working in the industry, don't get me wrong. And she's had a unfortunate string of coincidences or whatever they might be. But, um, you know, to be, to not have released something in 13 years, 14, 15 years by the time this comes out. I mean, that's, I don't know, man. It's a long time, and I I find it hard. Um, I find it hard to find the will to care um, about it, which, again, I know makes me probably sound like an ass, but I don't know. Maybe I'm in that alone. Maybe I'm not. Let me know. I don't know. Jump into the comments or, you know, reach out to me on Twitter. Let me know that I'm being an ass. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Um. Also, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick while we're on the topic of Disney and Marvel. Disney has a lot, a lot of games in the works right now. And I mean a lot between Disney and Marvel and other IPs that they own. Let's just go through a couple of them. So first of all, we know that these are things that are in development actively that have been announced. Um, Jedi Survivor, right? Another Star Wars Respawn FPS. Star Wars Eclipse, Ubisoft, Ubisoft and Massive's Star Wars game, Spider-Man 2, Wolverine, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Skydance's Marvel game, Black Panther, which is still a rumor, um, Avatar, and Indiana Jones. I mean, that's a lot of fucking games to be working on right now. I mean, a lot. So... Whether or not all these come to fruition or not, I don't know. But I find myself finding it hard to be excited for anything involving Amy Hennig. So that's just me. All right, a couple more stories before we get to our main topic for the night, which is, of course, talking about PlayStation's future on PC. Uh, but we're going to be getting there soon. I don't know what's going on here with this. Okay, so Take-Two is making a Middle-Earth game with Weta Workshop. Okay, this is coming via The Verge. A new tweet posted by Private Division's official Twitter account announced that the publisher is teaming up with Weta Workshop, the special effects company synonymous with recent Middle-Earth movies and shows. Weta has done a lot of stuff. If you know movies, you know Weta. They do a lot of really, 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 really good work. Industry, you know, defining work. Uh, so the game, which is an early development, is expected to be released during Takes two, Take Two's fiscal year of 2024, so it's still a little bit off. Weta Workshop is the New Zealand company that created the special effects and props for all three of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies and the Three Hobbit movies. Um, and also, I think they did 2005 King Kong reboot on top of a bunch of other stuff. Willow and, I mean, the list goes on and on. So according to the announcement, the upcoming game will be developed by Weta itself, which established its own game studio in 2014, which I didn't even fucking know. I missed that. Uh, Private Division is part of Take-Two, and they focus more on the um, indie side of stuff, which is why this is kind of interesting. Um, so it might be maybe smaller in scope and scale and budget um, than maybe people are initially thinking. Like, this is not like the Golem game that's about to come out, or I don't even know what's going on with that. And anyway, since its inception in 2017, uh, Private Division specifically published uh, The Outer Worlds, Ali Ali World, and 
Roller Drum, which we talked about at the top of the show, which comes out today. Now, I am a big fan of Lord of the Rings. Okay, and I think the um, Shadow of War games, the Middle Earth Shadow of War games, all those were really, 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 really cool. The Nemesis system is like, in my opinion, groundbreaking game design. Groundbreaking game design. Um, but I'm going to reserve any kind of hype or judgment or whatever for this game. I don't know. I don't even know. Has, has Weta produced anything? I don't know. Um... Game Studio was established in 2014, uh, based in Wellington, New Zealand. We're passionate about making incredible games. This is their website. Do they have any actual games that they've done, though? We make cool games. I don't see anything. <coughs> I mean, now what has done incredible. <clears throat> Excuse me. Prop stuff and all that, whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't think they've actually developed any games so but i mean they're they're right in that wheelhouse so who knows man um we'll see i wish them the best of luck i hope it's good uh, i hope it's interesting private division has done some really good work um so yeah we'll see <clears throat> all right to round out the abysmal chronicles before we hop in talking about playstation um a new saw movie is coming in 2023 it's coming via GameSpot, although not just who I took this copy from. I could I could just tell you my opinion about this, and uh, it's it's not going to be positive. So, a new entry in the Saw franchise is officially a go, according to a release from Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures. The company has jointly announced that the next untitled Saw film, a sequel to 2021's Spiral, is now slated for release on October 27th, 2000. And 23. <clears throat> the next film in the franchise will be directed by uh, Kevin Gruter, uh, who, you know, I'm a very big Saul fan. Okay. And I can tell you that he is, <clears throat> he's pretty good. He's done one, in my opinion, really good Saul movie being uh, Saul 6 and one not so great. Saw movie being the final chapter, although I enjoy the very, 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 very end, the third act of final chapter. Um, but more importantly, he understands the franchise because he was the editor on the original Saw, so Saw 1 through 5. Okay? Now, I am a Saw buff. I love the Saw franchise um, for its ups and its downs. Saul is like, you need somebody that understands what it is, right? Which is going beyond the gore and the blood and the actual body, you know, torture, porn, horror, crap, right? Somebody that can go beyond that and understands the legacy of the franchise, the interplay of the narrative and how, you know, that has to build itself. Anyway, commenting on the announcement, Saw Franchise's producers Mark Berg and Oren Cools said, quote, We have been listening to what the fans have been asking for and are hard at work planning a movie that Saw aficionados and horror fans alike will love. Okay. And part of that is giving the reins to Kevin Gratter, director of Saw 6, which is one of the fans' favorites in the entire series. End quote. That is accurate. The Saw series has a long and complicated backstory, obviously. But first of all, if you like horror, and you've never given Saul a chance, give it a chance. If you don't like horror, and you can handle gore, give Saul a chance. Because there's some really interesting storytelling in it. Uh, there's some really fantastic um, twists and turns, and really good writing, and awesome characters, and very beautiful, honestly, filmmaking sequences. Now, unfortunately, Spiral was none of those things. And Spiral was not received that well, from what I remember from fans. I didn't love it. I thought it was... I think it might have been the weakest. I forget... It's because it's been a little while. I forget if I liked it more than Final Chapter or not. But I would say probably not. Um, it tried to do a lot, right? It tried to pay homage to the previous franchise. 
or you know the franchise as a whole try to introduce new characters it also kind of almost try to like soft reboot and propel us in another direction and you know the end of that movie definitely sets up something there but i don't know if i want to see it so we'll see but i don't i don't really think so i don't really think so but nonetheless i suppose we'll see we'll see in due time i'll watch it regardless so Okay. For those of you that don't know, Haptcast is sponsored by W Energy. W was formulated to give you focus and energy with no jitters or crashes. Their formula contains vitamins, amino acids, and nootropics, including the patented Neurofactor. No calories, no sugar, no artificial flavors, no fillers. None of the bad stuff. I'm actually currently drinking it, like I just showed you. I'm drinking it in here. I'm drinking Galaxy Grenade. It's my favorite flavor. Brett's favorite flavor is the sludge. And you know your current energy drink, if you drink them, which a lot of people do, may cost you anywhere from two to three dollars per can. W costs just one dollar per shaker bottle, per drink, per serving, whatever you want to call it. So, if you find it hard to work or study, use code Slick to save on Dubby. That's right. Our code is slick. Use it to save 10% on your order at w.gg at checkout. Code slick, w.gg. Check it out. Yes, frankly, I'm holding it down in the chat. Brett is feeling, Brett has the suds, fortunately. And if you don't know what the, I'm referring to, those of you that don't, that is a SpongeBob meme. It's a great episode. And uh, this is this is actually, Brett just sent me this. This is a live picture of Brett. Sorry, audio listeners, but this is a live picture of Brett right now. So, yeah, he has the suds. But, uh, yeah, so we're holding it down. And, uh, you know, we wish Brett the best. Hope he gets better. But without further ado, it's time. It's, it's time. It is time to hop into our main topic of the day. What is PlayStation's future? And is it going to be reliant on PC? Now, this is something that we've been talking about just because it's kind of been at the forefront and something that Brett and I have talked about in the past where, you know, we think that PlayStation focusing on PC um, as a means of building out, you know, their, their brand is a good thing especially for people that like PlayStation's first-party games like we do. You know, likes of God of War and Horizon and Days Gone, although we'll probably never get a sequel to that and all that. So let me give you some context, and then we'll talk about it um, in the larger, you know, as a larger whole. But basically, <clears throat> PSN PC account linking and PSN integration for PC could be coming. So references to a PlayStation PC launcher have been found within the files of Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered, which launched on PC last week, uh, which is PlayStation's sixth game, I think, that they released, suggesting that such a platform could be in Sony's future plans. Now, this has all been verified by VGC and their sources through data mining uh, within the, the game files of, uh, of uh, Spider-Man. So while neither Spider while, while neither Marvel Spider-Man nor any other PlayStation Studios PC game currently allows connectivity with PSN accounts, Spider-Man's files contain multiple references to quote unquote PSN account linked and quote unquote PSN linking entitlements. Thus far, all of Sony's PC games have been released on Steam and the Epic Game Store. While PlayStation has a PlayStation PC brand, which I think they were gonna call it something. I forget. It was a bad name. But anyway, PlayStation... <clears throat> where was I? Uh, play, P, uh, while PlayStation is a PlayStation PC brand, it is generally used as a collective term for all PC re-releases <clears throat> rather than having their own launcher themselves, right? Same way that Xbox has their own launcher and their <clears throat> app, but they also, you know, release their stuff on Steam. Um, I think, actually, they just release their stuff on Steam. So it's possible that these references could suggest maybe... Uh, you know, its own unique version of the PlayStation Store maybe could come to the PC. This coupled with the references to account integration could eventually lead to cross-purchasing for titles on PS5 and PC. 
obviously. Now, it's unlikely that the first party would keep its... It's unlikely that PlayStation would keep its games exclusive to this launcher if they do release one for PC. Um, and we just talked about maybe why, you know, because Microsoft has their own launcher, but still <clears throat> releases their games on Steam. Um, you know, and then there's un, there's other examples, I guess, with that, for or against, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, Rockstar has a reduced kind of version of their launcher that is required. Um, even if you get the game through Steam, you have to, like... I think it has to basically do like a DRM check or or something like that um, through uh, um, Steam or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, so how important is this? First of all, I don't think we need another launcher for PC. I think we have enough. I think I understand the the launcher, and there are cases which I'd be okay with it. Although personally, I'm still probably going to play PlayStation games on my PS5. Um, but I think there's situations where it's not needed. I mean, we are there's already a lot of launchers for for uh, PC. You know, Steam. And Epic being the two most ubiquitous, if you will, uh, popular, uh, easy to use, whatever you want to call it, uh, most widely used, whatever. And I think we've seen the space flooded with other launchers that we don't need uh, that have been defunct. You know, EA's stuff, which maybe, I don't even know, that's still used. Uh, Ubisoft's thing. There's been a lot. So, I don't think we necessarily need another launcher. That being said, what I do want is trophy support. So, whether there is some sort of, you know, bespoke version as VGC... Um, you know, suggests of, you know, the PlayStation network where that becomes possible, whether you can link your PlayStation account, you know, on a per game basis and get trophies that way, or if they really do end up having a launcher that you need to get trophies, um, you know, or connect with your larger PSN account, I think that's okay. Um, but I don't, I don't really want an entire other launcher. So I'll be interested in what you guys think about that. Let me know. Let us know. Um, but I also think that in general, PlayStation, you know, the sentiment that PlayStation is not going to have a PC presence is uh, ill-founded. I think PlayStation's PC focus is here to stay. They're seeing it be super profitable. Obviously, I mean, it's just a way, as we talked about in the past, for them to make more money on games that they've kind of already wrung dry, if you will, uh, on their own platforms. Um, and I think the grand scheme of things, it's a good thing, um, especially if you, especially if you like, um, PlayStation, uh, first party games, because those games are expensive to make and, you know, game development is not getting cheaper uh, and the level that they, their, their games are on is not getting cheaper, uh, and they're taking longer and, you know, if games continue to cost one, two, three hundred million dollars plus to make, and that is just going to get more expensive, um, well, you're going to need to pad out those costs in other areas. And that is going to mean, you know, probably moving to, you know, new revenue streams like on PC. So, I think PlayStation's continued investment in the PC platform is only good for the brand and good for the games the brand produces. So that's what I think. Let me know what you think. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Indie Intel. This week. We are talking about a game called Super Perils of Baking. Now, what is Indian Tale, you might be asking? Well, 
Indie Intel is a segment that we do here to give notoriety to indie games that maybe need it, maybe have fallen under the radar by the wayside. Stuff that needs, you know, maybe a little highlighting, if you will. We want to support it. We want to help it out. This week, we're talking about Super Perils of Baking. Now, Super Perils of Baking um, is a remake of Perils of Baking, which is the developer's first game. This is made by Lily Mo Games. <laughs> so I'm going to read you something from the developer's blog here, uh, which was written by Colin Moriarty, who is now a writer for the game, but what's going on here? Is now a writer for the studio, but... Um, I don't think was involved with the original release of this game. If I'm not mistaken, which I don't think I am. Um, but yeah, let me read you something from the, the developer's blog here. Let's pause this. Let's just pull up a little screenshot, if you will. Quote, Super Perils of Baking is a 16-bit inspired side-scroller that we write at home on the likes of Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis. It's a ready ode to Super Mario World and that early to mid-90s area era of 2D platformer. Goodness, it's all about two brothers who are raised within a great culinary tradition, bestowed from one generation to the next. Excuse me, but when they go off to baking school, once it comes to the power of a mystical hat that brings his baked creations to life, leaving the other to battle his brother in a desperate struggle across the land. End quote. As I mentioned, Super Perils of Baking is a ground-up remake of Lily Mo Games' first title, um, which is 2018's 2D platformer, Perils of Baking. In Super Perils of Baking, players take control, like I said, of a talented student baker who has but one goal in mind, stopping his brother. Enchanted by a cursed baking hat garnered from their school's basement from wreaking havoc throughout the land. So, I've played a little bit of this, and while I will tell you right now that it is not um, not my cup of tea, first of all, I'm garbage at platformers. It's just not my style of game. Um, they're, I'm just really bad at platformers. I have really bad like spatial issues with uh, 2D platformers specifically. Um, but I've played it uh, on my Steam Deck, which runs great on the Steam Deck, by the way. Um, the game is not for me but i think it is for a lot of people and i think it's really special and i think the soundtrack is great i think the writing is great so it's actually it's written entirely um it's like a storybook kind of so actually let me see it's written entirely in verse with a storybook like presentation super perils of baking spans 50 core levels and has plenty of secrets with concise 2d platforming that's true that the controls are really tight from what i played um balance difficulty it is difficult but not insurmountable beautiful pixel art which is accurate not only beautiful pixel art but beautifully animated pixel art has a great soundtrack has lots of playable characters um and you know like they say in the write-up here it's for for audiences young and old um and it is it's really good i think for adults to play with children which they also know in here um especially if maybe you're trying to you know I don't know, expose your kids to different types of games. This is maybe a good kind of um, foot in the door for a 2D platformer that is modern, but accessible, yet very much an ode to some of the earliest video games that we had. Um, there's also a meta game with trophies and achievements in this too, which I think they have a right. They do. So whether on foot, hurling in a minecart, swimming underwater, holding onto a balloon, or altering gravity, and quite literally turning things upside down, Super Perils of Baking is a food fight for everyone. And true bakers will find new game plus, trophies, and achievements, and tons of collectibles to keep them busy. Um, <clears throat> Post-Adventure 2. And there's a metagame. Like, the trophies and the achievements are part of the storytelling, um, which is really unique, and I actually don't want to spoil that, so just be mindful of that if you play it. Okay, um, so this is available for ten dollars uh, on uh, PlayStation Five, PlayStation Four, Xbox Series X, S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, which is where I have it. And again, it is on Steam Deck, runs great on Steam Deck, Steam Deck, and is officially Steam Deck verified. So, um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about it. Um, 
Again, it's from Lilimo Games, uh, which Colin, Mori Colin Moriarty, Moriarty of Last Day Media is part of. Um, I think this is a really, really wonderful little game. Uh, again, even though it's not for me, <clears throat> I think a lot of people will like it. And the the enemies um, and how you collect stuff associated with the enemies is really interesting and really cool and exceedingly creative. Um, so I'll leave it at that. It's $10. Check it out. Support the game. Link will be in the description. Super Pearls of Baking. Check it out. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's it. That's the end of episode 79. Um, you know, I hope hope everybody enjoyed this solo adventure um, today. You know, less, maybe, thank you, frankly, less uh, conversations with other people focused, but I hope you enjoyed listening to my voice for almost an hour or so um make sure that if you like what you heard or saw or watched you know you give us a subscribe a subscription you like it you hop in the comments below let us know your thoughts um you know respond to some of the things that i asked you about today <clears throat> share it with your friends follow us uh and subscribe to us on everywhere i mean face youtube uh twitter facebook instagram uh tiktok um also, uh, audio platforms, you know, around the world, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, App, Amazon Podcast, I don't know, wherever you get that stuff. Make sure you, you like us, you follow us, you subscribe to us, you do whatever, you rate us on there, you share it around, you give us the love. We're almost at, like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, 600 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, we are at, I'll give you the exact number right now, 594. So we're six away. So we're almost there. Um, and, you know, then that's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from a thousand, and then you know a million, and so on from there. So, um, please do that. We really appreciate everybody. Uh, I wish uh, Brett the best, and I hope he feels better. I'm giving you ASMR tingles right now. I'm not even trying to. I'm just, I'm just not. I don't know. Uh, shout out to Morgan Freeman, friend of the show. Uh, we love you all. We appreciate you all. I'll be on the lookout on Thursday for Haptcast Unscripted as well. And uh, yeah, until next time, next week, episode 80. Big one. Big eight zero. But until then, we love you all. We appreciate you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.